evil doesn't walk down the street on the Saturday night all by itself. Evil has to work through someone. I'm not your donkey. My name is Merritt Jacks, and today I'd like to speak about something that's very difficult for me to speak to because it's something a lot of people don't know about my background. In the early 1990s, I worked with a colleague named uh, Valerie Smith, and she and I worked tirelessly against the influx of pornography. I was invited to the country's capital, which is Ottawa here in Canada, to speak with different government officials about some of the things we could do about protecting children from the onslaught of pornography that was making its way into our the privacy of our homes. We didn't even have a line of sight at that point on uh, the, the handheld phones or little computers. We just knew that the internet was moving our way and we were very concerned about what was happening to the privacy of children's growing and developing minds. As a result of that work, I was befriended by the victim of one of Canada's most notorious serial killers. I'm just going to interject here and you'll hear me refer to the mother of one of the murdered children as the victim of a serial killer. And that's because I believe deep in my soul that everyone who loved someone who was murdered is also a victim. She reached out to me because she knew how much pornography influences people and can be harmful. And there's a lot of information about the Paul Bernardo trial that a lot of people don't know about or how much pornography was found not only in his home, but also the home of um, his wife's family when she was younger, very violent pornography. And because I was one of the few liberal people who had the courage and intelligence enough to speak out against pornography, and I say intelligence because a lot of liberals back then said, oh, what's your problem with a little bit of nudity? That was not what was coming our way. Uh, I happen to enjoy saunas. I'm not afraid of nudity. I am very much alarmed with the infiltration of children's minds with pornography. As a result of uh, Debbie Mahaffey coming to me uh, and asking for my friendship and support, I was pulled into a world that I never want to re-experience. As the, uh, the trial unfolded, uh, I got a phone call one morning at 7.30 with the mother of one of the victims, Debbie Mahaffey the, being the mother and Leslie Mahaffey being the victim, um, calling me and saying in tears, they're going to show the videos today. They're going to show the videos. Would you please come and be with me? And of course I said, yes. How could I not be with the mother? And we sat in the victim impact room together with the family members and the lawyer from the other, other uh, family members of the victims. And uh, we sat in the victim impact statement, <laughs> impact room. And what was really difficult was that people were telling Debbie not to go in to the courtroom 
and listen while others listened to her daughter's pleading for her life and torture. Um, I understood why they didn't want her to go in, but as a mother, I would want to be witness in that room and at least have, I'm going to cry again. I always cry when I think about it. At least be there for my child and the memory of my child while other people were being really entertained by the screams and horror of what was going on. Now, there were many people who were just innocent journalists who had a job to do and to be there and, and participate in witnessing the trial. That's an important part of our justice system. But despite what our newspapers here in Canada were saying, there were mostly men who were lining up to come into that courtroom. Now, in the news media, they were saying, oh, everyone wants to be there, and some men and women are equal in the lineup, and so on. I actually passed that line many, many times to go and be with Debbie. And I'm going to tell you, there were a lot of men in there, and there were unfortunate men. Like, look, there's mostly great men in the world. I happen to have a dad and brothers and ex-husbands and grandsons who are wonderful. But there are some that are very twisted. And as a result of our influx of pornography into every child's tiny mind, they're getting more twisted. So I've stepped away years ago because of the trauma of that trial. I stepped away from working against pornography and the influx of pornography in our world. And I'm stepping back in with Not Your Donkey to say not just that we have to sober up around these issues of pornography, we have to get real about it, but also all the other pressures that are happening on our democracy at this moment. So what I'd like to do at this point is to read you something that I read on CBC uh, and to, as a comment. They used to have people come and comment. And I won't at this point talk to you about what I witnessed in that courtroom from the men who were totally enjoying themselves listening to the horror and that police had to pull some of these men out of that room because it was so awful. I sat next to the mother of one of these victims and helped her be witness to her daughter's final moments. And that's something I never want to do again. And that's something I never, never want any mother to do again. And yet I know it's happening. And it's happening with um, a horrifying level in terms of the pleasure that people now have around real sexual perversion. And I am not apologizing for using the word perversion. We'll get into all of that another time. If you'd like to get more understanding of who I am, I wrote a memoir called A Tryst with Paris. It doesn't talk about the Bernardo trial in there. I actually very, very much keep this to myself. But given the recent issues on Paul Bernardo, the vicious serial killer and horrific rapist, got moved from maximum security into a medium security cell, I felt it was important to speak about this and, and get deeper into the subject in hopefully not so horrifying a way. I, I don't want to share horror with people. 
but I would like to read you what I said that day on the CBC radio. And I have to tell you, um, I kept the poor, the poor um, operator in the room with me when we were going through that um, recording. I guess it was a recording studio. Yes. Um, the poor recording studio engineer kept trying to help me through this because I could only ever get halfway through this talk before I would break down in sobs. One sob after another, after another, it was really awful. Uh, I would just break down into tears. I had to take three or five different takes before I could finally get through it. Uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to do it the first time. And again, there's no real horror in this except knowing what happened to the poor kids. And secondly, um, the horror for the mother and father to have to live for the rest of their lives. So here goes. I sat in court today holding my friend as she listened to videotapes which recorded the last hour of her daughter's life. It was not something any mother should ever have to endure, but Debbie Mahaffey felt compelled to be with her child. As a mother, I know I would have done the same. Somehow, it would feel like I was making one final attempt to protect my child while curious spectators listened in on her suffering. The prosecutor played three portions of a tape. I'm relieved to say that for some reason, I have no recollection of the third and most heart-wrenching part. I only remember holding my friend's clenched hand, feeling her terror and her pain, and praying to God in heaven to help this woman through this moment, the moment she has braced for ever since she heard that the tapes existed. Before the trial began, the parents of Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French had tried desperately to restrict access to the videotapes to only the jury, judge, lawyers, and accused. But even after watching the tapes themselves, lawyers for the CBC and three Toronto newspapers continued to demand that the tapes should be shown fully in open court. As you know by now, the judge decided that the visual portion of the tapes would be restricted, but everyone in the courtroom could listen in. Dead children have no rights. Our criminal justice system was set up hundreds of years ago and is designed around the interests of the male accused. Former Canadian Supreme Court Justice Bertha Wilson has noted that sexism is inherent in the law and the way it is applied in this country, Canada. Women have had to struggle for decades to protect the victims of sexual assault from experiencing further abuse at the hands of the justice system. It continues to take enormous effort to protect women's interests in the court of law because victims of violence are simply not represented at all in the justice system. Many years ago, I attended a philosophy course on ethics. The professor asked us what Aristotle thought man's greatest fear was. None of us could answer. Then she sighed and asked what our own greatest fear was. Immediately I said, having my child die a violent death. Close, she said. Aristotle thought that man's greatest fear was to die a violent death himself. 
I shot back, well, Aristotle wasn't a mother, was he? Watching the proceedings at the Bernarder trial has shown me just how much influence Aristotle continues to have on our tired justice system. Of course, a judge reared in this system would express disdain when the bruised and battered souls of the parents make a final attempt to protect the memory of their children from the voyeuristic and selfish interests of the media. Of course, our justice system would consider that because the children are dead, there are no living victims to be concerned about. No living victims? Surely, my friend, the mother of the tortured and murdered child, has a right to be considered a victim of this crime. The day in court is over. Finally over. I brush my teeth in the bathroom with my own teenage daughter, and she tries to comfort me. Perhaps, she offers hopefully, looking for a silver lining in all of this. Perhaps hearing the videotapes will teach some people how horrible it is. Maybe they'll learn. Maybe. But it's time to move the discussion from the realm of theory into the human family. Ask yourself this. Ask yourself whether you would want people to listen in on your child's final pleas for mercy. Compassion and reason both belong in the court of law. I have heard a lot of bantering and self-justifying from the media and their legal experts telling us why the videotapes should be shown to everyone in the courtroom. But I have yet to hear any media pundits express the sentiment Rest in peace, dear, sweet child. Now, if you consider that just recently, it's 2023, that horrible trial took place in 1995. 2023, almost 30 years later, and you have the Liberal Government of Canada uh, balking at the victim's parents asking for the, the murderer not to be moved to a medium security prison. And when they lost because they didn't have the right to access certain information about his parole, the parents lost the case and the government of Canada asked the judge to award $19,000 in legal fees against the parents. Think about that, just that horror for a moment and what they went through. So I believe in a criminal justice system. I believe in due process. Well, the serial killer had due process. In fact, he got off of a lot of other, allegedly got off of a lot of other crimes because the victims just couldn't go through this anymore. So we have a very disturbed person in jail. We have grieving parents on the outside of jail, and this disturbed person who's been eating and drinking and sleeping at our expense wants to go to a happier, more fun place now to live out the rest of his days. And when the parents say, please, please no, the government of Canada slaps them with a $19,000 legal charge. Think about how horrible that is. Now, it got reduced to 4000 It should have been zero at the very least. 
if not a huge public apology for a criminal justice system that does not honor the dead and does not respect the parents and the other victims of that man's violent and horrific crime. I stepped away from all things political for many, many, many years because I was profoundly damaged by being a victim support person to Debbie Mahaffey at the Bernardo trial. I would do it again. I would go back and support this mother over and over again. But something in my soul got crushed, and I couldn't even stand up for three days after the trial. It was horrifying to look in the face of evil. And by the way, evil doesn't walk down the street on the Saturday night all by itself. Evil has to work through someone. And the most profound thing I would say outside of the horror of listening to those tapes, the most profound thing I'd say is that witnessing the serial killer's face, seeing him up close right in front of us, you think he just looks like a normal guy. And you know what? He is just a person. But he allowed evil to work through him. And evil exists in our world. It's something that's been playing out for millennia. And yet we're now pretending that violent pornography is just like a choice. And hurting your partner during sex is just a sexual preference. You know, there's a lot of really troubling things happening right now. And it's seeping into our schools through not sex education, it's masked as that, it's sexuality education. And the kind of sexuality education that is, is going is being promoted by teachers at our children has to be stopped. There's a lot more that I care about beyond uh, schools and children, of course. But as Neil Postman has said, Children are the living messages we send to a time we will not see. It's time for us as grown-ups to prepare the landscape of the future so that it's a lot healthier in the next 20 years than it has been in the last 30. And so I invite you to participate with Not Your Donkey. Send us ideas. Feel welcome to reach out to us if you'd like to have a conversation. And on that note, I'll just say at this moment, brave freely. You can find me on Twitter at Merit Jacks, that's M-A-R-E-T-J-A-K-S. And also you can find me on Substack at merit.substack.com. That would be www.merit.substack.com and on Rumble and YouTube and on various podcasts. Thank you for listening, and remember, brave freely. <laughs>